This program is for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or a recommendation that any particular investor should purchase or sell any particular security. All expressions of opinions are subject to change without notice and are those of the on-air cast of the Stock Doctor's Prescription and not necessarily those of International Assets Advisory, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investments mentioned on this program may not be suitable for all investors. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. All information presented about tax considerations affecting client financial transactions or arrangements is not intended as tax advice and should not be relied on for the purpose of avoiding any tax penalty. You should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional before entering into any trade or transaction. Paging Dr. Seiler. Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use the Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to the Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional dad jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescription starts now. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I'm Lee Seiler, also known as the Stock Doctor. In the house, we have our megalennial herself, Miss Nikki Ward, and a very, very special guest host today. And we are putting the band back together and back on the Stock Doctor radio show, which is now called the Stock Doctor Prescription. Million Dollar Bill Keevan Bill, you're back. Why, uh, it is a pleasure to be here, a pleasure and an honor to be back with the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Uh, you and I spent a uh, little while doing some radio together. Many, many years, and in fact, a lot of it in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, which we Absolutely. are airing here today at high noon on Wednesdays. It seems warm. Is it a dry heat? Is that just me? <laughs> no, no, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. It's it's hot like an oven. So I know you've been doing a lot of different things, but yes. you're still involved in what's going on in the in the markets. You like to see what's happening. You probably aren't as uh, in tune to when you were doing the radio show with us. So when you're saying I'm not quite as in tune as when we did three hours of live call-in stock advice radio every day, every single day, without exception, over and over. And over. Uh, yeah. No, no, it's not, it's not quite the same. Nope. It's not exactly the same now. Well, we thank everybody for joining us today. And uh, we had our inaugural show last week and uh, went off without a hitch. Now that you're back, I'm sure it's going to be all screwed up. And we're looking for nothing but hitches at this juncture. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, you're in the house. How are you doing today? Feeling good, feeling great. Good, good. And later on, you'll have your millennial moment. And Nikki, Nikki, we call her our megalennial because she's not just your average millennial. Also, we have uh, the rest of our characters on the show will be here later. We have this Justin will be here in a little bit. And uh, we have a fiscal therapist, by the way. Jared Bocart will be joining us a little bit later. But before we get started, I want to talk about, now look, we this is midday. We don't know what's happening today. We don't know how things are going to close out. We have no idea. However, we do know what happened last week. We do know what happened so far this week. And however, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the start. And I, you know, I know a lot of people say, no, nah, it was just a little blip in, a, in an old bull market. I don't think so. You know, March 23rd of 2020 was when the market hit that low. It took 20, 24 days to- 22 days for a 34% 4% drop in the month of March. And it hit that low, March 23rd. By the way, I do remember we did some buying on March 23rd. 
Mm-hmm. Just luck. But I do have a question. So are you going to categorize this as an anniversary or a birthday? Anniversary. Okay. Because it's it's last year was the birthday of a new bull market, I believe. Right. Again, some people think it's a blip. I think it's a new bull market. And look, and it's it's really the first year of a bull market, it's easy money. There's a lot of money to be made because really you could just throw darts and make money. And and Bill, what we saw last year, I know you 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 kept up with it. I mean, obviously there was a thing out there that people were getting sick. Right. Something. Yeah. Something happened. There was an opportunity to, you know, spend more time at home <laughs> for a lot of people. So anyway, you know, the market hit that low a year ago, uh, a year ago yesterday. And uh, look, the, the second year of the bull market is a lot more difficult to make money in. Well, and it's it is the first year. And I remember you saying this day after day after day. A, a rising tide lifts all ships. Exactly. And then there gets to be a point where we're at high tide. Yes. So so now you got to find a good ship. And that, exactly. Now you got to be more concerned about your stock picking. It's not going to be so easy. Your sector rotation. But, you know, last week we had a market that was just basically undecided. And it was kind of trending to the downside. The Dow was down about almost a half percent last week. The S&P was down three quarters of a percent. The NAS was down a half percent. But the big, the big hit was... Uh, taken by the small caps. The small caps were down just for the week. Last week, the small cap growth stocks down 2.5%, small cap value down almost 3.5%. And there had been a little change in leadership where small caps started taking charge at the end of last year. And so I think for the second year that, if you can believe it, that the road ahead or the seas ahead are going to be choppier and we're going to have more muted gains. But I still think that there's opportunity for growth, like you're saying. Yeah, and what's causing this this kind of a indecision? I, I call it the stutter step. The stutter step, I'll call it that. I think it's a little bit of a, so they're now reimposing re- restrictions you know, around the globe. We've got some rising cases in certain states, some things with the reopening trade. They're working sometimes, they're not working other times. Well, and then the, the steep, quick jump in interest rates got mm-hmm. a lot of folks concerned especially in the technology sector and and of course your girl Kathy Wood I yes. know you're a fan Big and fan. Uh, I'm a fan of hers too so but I mean she she got she's got taken it here a little bit she's taken it on the chin because uh, a lot of her stocks are innovative and she's in the disruptive technology and of course Kathy Wood who runs the Arc ETFs and That's her has been yeah. has been doing that for several years and she's always coming out with she's got a new one coming out a space yep ETF. She's all about the disruption. And by the way, none of these are recommendations. We're just speaking because Kathy had a, a very interesting call. Interesting. A very interesting call earlier this week. And her biggest holding in the flagship fund, ARKK, is Tesla. Mm-hmm. T-S-L-A. And it's interesting because, you know, we have I've owned Tesla in the past, but have never really taken down a, a, a big position. So we missed the whole move up. I mean, for the most part. But I saw it good at 900. And then recently... Last week we got it. We saw it get down to uh, actually last week, a few weeks ago, down to five sixty, five seventy. So on Friday, I'm making a list of my clients that I want to own Tesla, and I'm thinking, all right, I want to buy this thing cheap, you know, blah 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 blah. Monday morning, we walk in, and <laughs> Kathy Wood puts a three thousand dollar price target on uh, Tesla. So yeah, it definitely jumped up a little bit. We didn't get it at the rock bottom pricing that we wanted, but I mean. I now personally own Tesla, and I'm happy about that. No, I am too. But having said that, 
you don't want to get it at the rock. I mean, it'd be no. nice if you're lucky and you buy it, but you want to buy it on the way way going you, up. You want to buy on the way up. Correct. And we also talked about earlier about timing the market and how that's a fool's errand. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a great a great term, Bill. It's it's not uh, it's time in the market, not timing the market. It sounds like you're trying to do a Steve Martin joke. <laughs> because the great Steve Martin joke is, you know what the secret to all comedy is? What? Timing. T- timing. Timing. <laughs> well, it, it, that's true. You want, you need time in the market. If you're going to buy Tesla, mm-hmm. you need to be a long-term investor. Because buying it here at 670, 662, we don't know. We don't know if they're going to sell as many cars as they thought. We don't know if their technology is going to be as good as everybody else. Volkswagen just came out with one. They're all coming out with them, all of them. If they're secretly videotaping China, as uh, is proclaimed these days. So, a question about Tesla. Okay. Which I know you own for some clients, right? Yes. So, Tesla is a stock, and it's the kind of company which troubles me because you don't know how much you can rely on. On Elon Musk. It's a person who I feel like they have an inordinate amount of ability to move the price of the market by doing yeah. something either incredibly smart. He's like Jerry Jones in the NFL. Dumb. Yes. He really is. Like Jerry Jones in the NFL. But, you know, it, here's the thing. When you look at Tesla, you got to look at, yes, there's there's something there because there, there's a change. We are right. going through a change. I know you have already, you were ahead of your time, Bill, when you had a Prius years ago. Yes. Ahead years of your time. We made time. fun. Yes, you did. We you made still fun. do. <laughs> I don't think you're ever going to be able to live that down. It's okay. It's all right. I'm okay with not contributing to the eventual ruination of the planet. I'm fine with that. We don't need to pave everything to make me happy. <laughs> well, when Justin comes in. Now, Justin's a carbureted car guy. Oh, I get that. So, he when he comes in, he'll talk to you about your Tesla a little bit further. I'm sorry, uh, Nikki. What did you want to say? Oh no, uh, I I completely agree though that Elon does have just an exorbitant amount of sway and power over the market via a tweet. It's right, similar right. to a previous president that we had, and I agree with you. I also think that people too often buy Tesla because they believe in Elon Musk versus believing in the future of electric vehicles. Yeah, but, but Elon Musk is different. He's got a Venmo account set up with the SEC. Yeah. So he can just Venmo 20 million. I, I swear he's an alien. Whatever he says up, they go, ah, oh, shoot. All right, I, let me Venmo another 20 he million to the SEC. He sells them over. Yeah, that's it's it. like, here's my fine, here's my fine. That's it. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, when these stocks do go down, where do you want to see them? Where do you think you want to buy them? The 50 and 200 day moving average become critical when you're looking to buy stocks after they've already pulled back. So uh, when we do come back right here on KFNN 1510 105.3, we're going to be talking about a a lot of different things. We also have the the millennial moment coming up with our own megalennial. uh, And this Justin will be joining us right here on the Stock Doctor's Prescription. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I am a million dollar Bill Keevan, along with Nikki Ward, the Megalennial, and this just in, we are here to talk with you live-ish. Well, we're live when we recorded it, at least. We're live. We're live-ish. 
And uh, that voice you hear is the voice of the stock doctor oh, himself. They're going crazy. Lee Seiler. And, uh, you know, I know we talk about it later on in the show, but if you have questions, if there's things you want us to talk about, you should probably email sure. the stock doctor, stockdr at stockdr.com, or maybe a better address. <laughs> Feedback at stockdr.com. Feedback. Feedback. That's bad in radio. Yeah. It's a squeal. <laughs> well, it might get lost in the stock doctor's you know email that amongst is all true. of his other important It emails. would likely get deleted. So feedback at stockdr.com. Yes, please. Awesome. Uh, so having said that, because we don't have any feedback yet, except for on which email I should have said, um, which I'll do better at, I promise. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about where you find opportunities in the market. Well, you know, it's interesting because we talked about the 50 and 200 day moving average. And that really is an area where if a stock has made a move, to the upside, you look for them to pull back towards those. Those are typically called support levels. And I'm sure a lot of folks that listen to these stations have heard what support levels are. But I want to look at it the other way. You know, last week what we did is we sold things. And when stocks get too far above their 50-day moving averages, you use that, they're 200-day so much, but their 50-day, they get extended. And I always, and we've been talking about this, and we talked about this on our podcast before. And I, Justin, you're here. Good to see you. Um, you know, buying stocks that are extended can be very painful. FOMO. Yes, and it's, it is fear of missing out. And Justin, you and I have seen enough of that. And over the last year with oh. this raging bull market, yes. people want to say, what about this? And it's, it's you know 30% above its 50-day moving average. Well, I want to start by saying it's so good to see million-dollar Bill Keevan's face. It is. It really is. I, I, I'm giddy. I'm happy that Bill is here. <laughs> I yes. am. I am. I missed you, Bill. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. It's now, good seeing you. back to FOMO. Yes. <laughs> and then, we, then you can rag of... him about his Prius. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I just... I like that. I thought that was a girl's car. I don't want to. I don't want to gender a car. Oh, okay. But it's definitely not swinging an axe. <laughs> so uh, let me just tell you. Although what I'll we, tell you, my axe fit great in the trunk with the trunk space. Is plenty enormous. of space. Yeah. Plenty I'm of space sure. for an axe. I figured it would be more fitting for it to be in the cup holder, but whatever. <laughs> so look, what has caused the market to go down? You know, among some of the several things that Nikki said, that rising interest rates really are in the forefront, and not that the rates are rising so much that they rose quickly in a really steep incline. So what happens when rates rise? You have a lot of money moving into things like banks, energy, those sectors generally, of course, cyclicals, because that tells you the economy is getting better. So we did last week is we tried to intend to do almost the opposite of what the, the masses are doing, because the masses are usually wrong. Contrarian. Con it's not necessarily contrarian, but yes. I mean, when everybody and their brother was wanting to buy financials, we sold last week. And we, this is what we did. We sold our Citigroup that we bought most of it in March, April, May of last year. So we're talking high 30s, 40s. We sold our JP Morgan. We bought in the high 80s, 90s. We sold our energy fund, which in cases were up 70 to 125%. And we sold a regional bank fund. So we got rid of all of those elements. Now, I'd like to go back in them at some point. I just think that when rates stabilize, which we're seeing this week, we're seeing rates kind of back off. I think they went up and, and the bond got too extended or too oversold. And now I think it's ready to get a little bit of buying in there. So, you know, we ended up, here's a recent things we bought. And we have bought things because they got beaten up. They, Costco. Costco is a stock that fell. Technically, it's not looking good. It fell below its 50 and 200 day moving average on same store sales. But... This is a store that when it gets that that disconnected from the market, this is a, a stock that I think needs to be owned. And we picked some up at 119 and change a few weeks ago. Uh, stock closed at 340. 
one thing about this difference between Costco and Home Depot, we talked about this last week, Justin, is that Home Depot is a stock that it the, the stars were aligned last year. Yes. Perfect. Absolutely. People didn't go on vacations, didn't nope. go out to dinner. What'd they do? They go to Home Depot and, and redo their houses. Updated plumbing and countertops and all sorts of home projects and tile, whatever. Right. But Costco, they're going to go regardless if there's a pandemic or not. I am always going to want a massive quantity of Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> Whether or not I'm stuck in my home or not, I will always... Can you buy them by the pallet at, at Costco? Yes. If you could, she would. <laughs> <laughs> What's the limit on this? Is yeah. that, I know there's right. a limit on toilet paper, but what about my Rice Krispie treats? Well, so so we look for... Uh, Costco's a different scenario. The stock blew right through its 50 and 200 day, and it was way oversold. And the numbers were good. It was just same store sales were not exactly what the market wanted to see. And it was just one of those things where, hey, you know what? It was a higher multiple stock. You know, now it's trading at 31 times earnings was higher than that. Let's just hit that stock and, and hit the bids. I don't know. I feel like last week, you know, the green day that we spoke of. Yeah. Is probably going to lead to a lot of Costco. I, I imagine that. <laughs> Did anybody yes. drive by Costco last week after Stimmy's hit? No. I didn't go to Costco this week. It was slam-packed. I did. Oh, really? Slam-packed. Uh, now, when you talk about stocks which you guys own, that doesn't mean it's necessarily right for everybody, no. right? No. And, and again, everything, we have disclaimers, and yeah. this is something that we only bought for the clients that we believe can, first of all, assume single stock risk. Mm -hmm. We talked about single stock risk last week. It's some of the biggest risk you can take. Buying a fund that owns Costco, that's another alternative. But if you really want to get bang for your buck and you can assume single stock risk, it was a buy. Now, I wouldn't buy it today. Because I'll wait for a pullback now because we, we already bought it and it rallied up. We talked about Tesla. Uh, we, we bought Zoom that was already disconnected from the market. I think that's a high-risk deal, so you got to be careful with that one. And I bought, actually yesterday, I bought some Peloton. And now Peloton's interesting. Uh, I bought the stock, PTON, because it came down to the 200-day moving average. Hit a high of 171, dropped to 94, bounced off the 200-day moving average, rallied up. Hit the second time the 200-day, did not violate it, and volume is taking a little bit higher now. So, But I have a defined line in the sand. If it breaks 94, I'm out. So to me, I heard this term, I'm going to rent the stock. <laughs> I'm not going to own it. I'm going to rent it. So, what a millennial. You know, yeah, I, right. <laughs> that, I thought the same thing at the exact same time you said it. Millennial uh, mindset over here. Yep. I thought the same thing about a Peloton. I'm going to rent it. I'm going to leave it in the house <laughs> for a couple of days. Hang clothes on it. <laughs> And then I'm going to return it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me give you some examples. Uh, there is a, a sector. I'm going to go over a sector of the market and, and the semiconductors. There's a lot of talk about semiconductors these days because there's a shortage of chips out there. And there are some premier semiconductor companies, and, and one of them being NVIDIA, NVDA. Now, these are not buys. I'm us using them as examples. NVIDIA sold off like the rest of the market, but is hanging on to its 200-day moving average. So NVIDIA is doing okay, hanging on to its 200-day moving average. Let's take a look at... Um, uh, Lamb Research, because Lamb Research, LRCX, hanging on to its 50-day moving average. So those are still doing okay. But then when I look at the whole index, I look at the SMH, which is the largest ETF, really, for semiconductors. The whole, it's been trading below its 50-day for quite a long time now. So what you're looking at is a sector that's kind of looking a little bit weak, has been looking weak since it topped out in early this year, and only a few stocks within that group that are actually hanging above. So the question is, is LAM Research or NVIDIA that much better than the rest of them? Or it's just a matter of time before they also break down. Only time will tell. We don't own them yet, but certainly there's an, there's an opportunity there possibly because there is a shortage in chips. These companies have great growth prospects and they make money. So 
why are those stocks not performing well now? What's keeping them from performing well? Is it just that? High, high multiple. Yeah. Also, the supply chain yeah. issue with the chip shortage. And that's not a, a quick fix. You can't sell what you don't have. I mean, that's really what's probably... And, and look, NVIDIA is involved in everything, including Bitcoin and the mining and, and for the blockchain part of it. It's... But the stock has been acting... They're all kind of acting a little weak. Again, the leader probably right now is Lamb Research, probably acting the best. NVIDIA has bounced above its 200-day. But yeah, I mean, there's a chip shortage out there. And at some point, they're going to be great opportunities. I mean, for example, NVIDIA had a high of 614, and now it's trading at 522. Not down that much. But keep in mind, it's a very volatile sector, and you can get hurt on them quickly, and you really can. And yes. Justin, I know you, you got oh. to, back in the years. Well, because of my, my, my time frame of being in the business, yes, you can get pillaged in them. I've seen it over and over, over yeah. and over. So, you know, again, so part of that cause, when rates go up, Bill, to answer the question, rates go up, the high multiple stocks take a hit. And what's interesting is, uh, and we could talk about this when we come back, but Bank of America did a, a take a look of the 19, the past 19 rising rate cycles. Very interesting uh, data. We'll talk about that. And then we'll have the millennial moment right after that, too. That's going to be coming up right here on the Stock Doctor's Prescription. If you have any questions, I want you to send us an email at feedback at stockdr.com. That's feedback at stockdr.com. And if you're not sure what feedback sounds like, it's like, you can make that noise when sending the email if you need to. We're going to be right back with the Stock Doctor's Prescription. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I'm million dollar Bill Keevan, along with this Justin. We're going to be hearing from him in a couple of minutes, as well as Nikki Ward, the mega millennial. Her millennial minute is coming up in just a few moments, and I hear definitely longer than a minute today. But before that, the stock doctor. Uh, Lee, uh, you were talking just before the break about uh, Bank of America and their survey of the last 19 rate hikes. Yeah, I mean, is rising rates a reason to sell stocks? Probably not. And what Bank of America did is they went back to the last 19 rising rate cycles of the 10-year treasury. That's what we're looking at. And since 1920, the S&P 500 traded up 74% of the time. The markets trade up years over four every four years you'll have a down year roughly 74 percent of the time 75 percent of the time so very close but the average return on those years the up years were 13.3 percent so again and rates used to be way higher 10-year oh, treasury yeah. way higher we're still a 10-year treasury at 1.6 1.65 we're not 3.5 or 4.5 and that's something justin we talked about absolutely every time about the the spoiled mortgage rate oh, people oh my goodness people my age all, all the way down to nikki's age we you know i've never seen a mortgage that was over three percent whereas you guys probably when you were first buying houses were above 10 right my, my first house was nine and a half percent nine and a half and it was yeah. bond money because i was poor yeah that was in 1987 when what was the price value of the home i my first house 
$49,900. And yeah. it was Good downhill. Luck finding that on and the it market. was downhill both ways from every school within walking distance. <laughs> and he had to be barefoot. Hey, I'm allowed to be around schools now. Good. <laughs> and it's time for her moment. We have our megalennial herself, Miss Nikki Ward. What do you got for us today, Nick? So rates aren't the only thing that's rising. So is crime. So, and I bring this up because Justin has taught me more about cars than I ever wanted to know. But I talk too much. I talk too much. It was very informative. And this was a conversation where I asked the very stupid question of what happens when I put gas in my car and I learned all about what a catalytic converter does. And so that's not the first step, though. No, <laughs> I, I remember the pistons Some and all that. Hey, spark plugs. Watch your language. So thieves have been stealing more and more catalytic converters across the country over the past year. The price of precious metals, especially rhodium, has been the catalyst in all the crimes. Pun so, intended. Oh, yeah. I love me a good dad yeah. joke. Rhodium. Isn't that the company we used to clean out drains and pipes and things? Rotor, rotor, rotor. Okay, yeah, all right, all right, same thing. So, Justin, will you give but, us a brief thing. intro for those of us listening, me, who don't know what a catalytic converter a is? Catalytic converter is there to simply superheat unspent fuel from your your engine. So it basically is a scrubber that's in line between the engine and, and the muffler. It makes things more efficient. Right. It will make sure that unspent fumes aren't just dumped out into the atmosphere. Right. It doesn't make it more efficient. <laughs> it burns fuel with no... It makes with, it with, less efficient, actually. Right. It, right. And, and with no, no benefit to the engine. So the good news is if a thief steals the catalytic converter off your car... Your car goes faster. Your car does <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> run a little bit better. However, and louder. Uh, definitely louder. Actually, it'll probably be undrivable because the catalytic <laughs> converters are too close to the engine. But if you chose to be a real jerk and not worry about your carbon footprint and just have a little piece of pipe welded in in place of it, <laughs> your car is going to run like a You sound like dog. you have uh, done that before. I've never seen anything like that done in all of my years. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, it's the only time he's welded with his eyes closed. Perfect. Yeah, I, I, I have I have flash burned my eyeball. So Nikki, well, this but. is a, a, so, a big number for these people. Yeah. So like Justin said, the catalytic converter is a muffler shaped device installed on the underside of vehicles. So according to the National Insurance Insurance Crime Bureau, in 2019, on average, 282 thefts occurred per month. Last year, that wow. number jumped to 1,200 per month, and in December alone, 2,347 catalytic converters were stolen. And I guarantee you, the first quarter of this year, you're going to hear it even more. So, and I, I'm about to bring in the Prius, so <laughs> hang on, Bill. <laughs> okay. So, these catalytic converters contain trace amounts of precious metals, including platinum, palladium, and rhodium, which in early March hit nearly $30,000 per ounce. Wow. So we think of platinum as more valuable than gold, but rhodium is 10 times more valuable than platinum. Okay, well, if a car is 30, 40, 50,000, how much how many ounces of rhodium are in a catalytic converter? Not not even it can't an, be much, not right? Not even an ounce. No. No, not even an ounce. It's it's a fraction, but what these thieves are doing is is they're running around with a sawzall, cutting off as many as they can from parking lots in the middle of the night and then smashing out the innards and and you know, and going selling it off to some place that will separate it, I guess. It's terrible business. They can't make anywhere near the value of it. 
not off as of the one. person who does the stealing. They, they can't. So I would imagine they're probably, you know, black market never pays as well as, right. you know, sure. primary market, but it's still enough for them to take the risk. It, it's worth doing. It's like when people used to steal copper out of houses, out of new construction houses, they go in and steal copper. I would say that, that the, the theft of copper is a lot more labor-intensive than... Right. Well, this, it, it probably is similar in nature. It's probably attracting the same pool of potential, we'll call them employees. <laughs> so <laughs> bad, back, act, bad actors. Get us yeah. back to that Prius because so, this is involved Bill in this one. So <laughs> hybrids like the Toyota Prius are frequent targets because they run their gasoline engines less, their converters tend to have less contamination, and therefore command higher prices on the black market. And last week, an unfortunate thief in Anaheim, uh, some worker was He's not coming. an unfortunate thief. <laughs> well, he made so this listen, option. We listen to yeah. what yeah. happened The owner is the fortunate one <laughs> yes. in this set of circumstances. So some guy was walking out of like an industrials plant in Anaheim and he walks out and he literally sees, you know, essentially what Dorothy saw in the Wizard of Oz with just, you know, a house that had the fallen Wicked on the Wicked Witch of the West. So there's just some man's legs underneath the Toyota Prius in the parking lot of his employment because he was trying to saw off the catalytic converter and it fell off and of it whatever fell on him and crushed him and he's dead mm-hmm. well i'm sorry to hear that for well, a, a prius can kill you I, I i would imagine any any guy worth his salt would just bench press that thing <laughs> tip it over they're kick they, it they're not away. light no they're not like no, you got the batteries in batteries them. are very heavy you got a batteries you got an engine yeah got a real engine uh, it's a 1.3 liter though i can't believe you don't love this music she does. Look at her. Look at the arms in the air. Why is she we waving didn't her warn arms you about the dance break, like huh? <laughs> okay. Bill, wave your arms. Bye. Uh, there you go. And that was our megalennial Miss Nikki Ward with her millennial moment. So I, I do have a question, Nikki, related to this. Hopefully I have an answer. So where do they have any idea, based on the research you've done, where they're selling these things? Are they selling them overseas? No, black markets. So they're trying to go to like local muffler shops. Uh, I think Justin would probably be a better. Yeah. I, hey, I, tell I, me it's something on the dark web. I want to find out something on the dark web. I mean, converter. Well, yeah, I, I've I've had these things laying around at my house for years that you know I make race cars. That you saw it off of a Prius. But I, no, I did not saw it off a Prius. I, you wouldn't even find me touching a Prius, honestly. Can you make um, a, a, a race well, car no, the, from a Prius? The, I have seen it done. But they, but they, it wasn't a battery-powered vehicle anymore. Where could I hypothetically hawk a catalytic converter? So I think that you actually have the ability to go to a recycling center. Mm. I, I don't know how they would price it or if you'd get better money elsewhere, but that is what's happening. So I, And I think these thieves, if you were to take 15 or 20 of them to a recycling center, who's to say whether or not? You, you stole that. Right. I also, so I saw that the ways that you can protect your vehicles with cat shields, which are basically like tamper resistant plates you can put underneath it. And then also several police departments are willing to etch your license plate into the actual catalytic converter. Really? Mm-hmm. In yeah, an attempt that only to helps discourage if they people. hold on to the part which you, which you stenciled it into. But here's the point. Which is not the If they're smart part. enough to know how to cut it off the car, they're smart enough to know how to grind it off the, the you know, the face of this thing. Hey, when we come back, it'll be the last segment of the show. We're going to talk about some online gaming stocks. We'll talk about some Robin Hood because that's always seems to be a really interesting topic. And, of course, listen to us on 1510 and 105.3. And uh, you know, we had a little bit of time before we go, so I give you the opportunity to once again okay. 
If you have a, something that you want us to talk about, you can questions, send an email. Questions, comments, questions, concerns. comments, concerns is exactly the right way to put that, Nikki. Uh, it's feedback at stockdr.com. You send that email, include you know an idea as to why it is that you're asking the question. Uh, you and I took phone calls from people for years and years yep. and years, and all we needed to know was your name. Really. That's it. To give you a real answer, you need you need to know more stuff. Give us you, some details. Right. And and that's especially true if what you're looking to do is to add something to your portfolio or to take something out of your portfolio. We need to know, really, to give you a good answer, there's a lot of things we'd need to know about it. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on KFNN 1510. AM and 105.3 FM. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription on Money Radio 1510 and 105.3 FM. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I am a million-dollar Bill Keevan along with Nikki Ward, the Megalennial, and the Stock Doctor. And joining us for this segment, it is the fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart. And, uh, Jared, uh, I understand that you uh, are a, a really an expert in helping educators with that 403B as a fiscal therapist. I want you to defend this name that you have for yourself as a fiscal therapist. Do you ask people how their money makes them feel? I do, actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do, and usually for the teacher market, it doesn't make them feel good, especially after looking at a lot of the products and stuff that are in the 403B. It's very heavily, it's a heavily annuity market, mm -hmm. and it it is high fee uh, based, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of, um, a lot of bad products, and uh, my, the reason I got into it was because of my mom, who uh, was a teacher and fell into some of these um, traps, essentially, that are so prevalent in the teacher industry. Yeah, and you know, the good news is that we are able to work with teachers, educators in the Phoenix Gosta area. So if anybody would like to, at least we could do a portfolio review on their 403B and see what they have and help them through it, they can call the office 888 855-2855-888-855-2855. But I know, Jared, you put a list together. I did. It's the A-plus investment method. And it's just go, it's 10 rules to follow for teachers when they're planning for their retirement, and specifically when they're looking at their 403Bs. Okay. And we're going to do one of these a week, because we certainly can't go through all 10 in the next uh, eight minutes. I mean, we could. It would just be very fast. Yes, very fast. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to absorb the material. Nick, you could have been a teacher in another life. <laughs> Who knows? All right, Jared, because I want to talk about some online gaming, too. Give us the uh, number one, the first rule. Number one, the first rule, and it actually applies to anybody who's looking to get into investing. It's ask your advisor what licenses they have and if they are a fiduciary. Okay? Uh, that, so there's many different types of financial advisors, and there's many different licenses. Uh, one that is prevalent, one that pretty much needs to be in everybody's best interest is the series 65, which makes us a fiduciary. Right. Can you enlighten me on what a fiduciary is, please? It means that we are legally obligated to work in your best interests. And that is different from the suitability standard where a lot of the life insurance and series seven work Schleps. out. <laughs> oh I my I wasn't, wasn't going to say it. I, I wasn't, wasn't going to say it either. 
They You're do way have more place, rude than but, I am. But yeah, the suit, so the suitability standard, when, how it differs is you do not, it does not have to be in your best interest. It just has to be suitable, which is, so it, it can be, let's say uh, you're paying, let's say 5%. Um, or there's another annuity where it's 8%. Well, it's still suitable, but somebody's going to be in a completely different situation. Well, you know, the thing is, and that's, as fee-based asset managers, we're fiduciaries, and we actually, you know, we are on the same side of the table as the clients. So that's what makes it important here. And that's, I think, what you're trying to say is, in the teacher market, they're not getting that in a lot of cases. There, there's some out there, I'm sure, that are fiduciaries working there's with, a small with move, teachers. There's a small movement of uh, fiduciaries that are trying to, bridge the gap in the teacher's retirement market, but it's very slow and insurance companies have such a stronghold in that market. It's very slow moving to try yeah. and gain traction and so, to explain to teachers all the hidden fees and stuff that is pretty much destroying a lot of their retirement income. So the good news is that we have the ability to actually have some really high quality mutual funds for the teachers within their 403Bs. And that's, uh, and we have a, a plethora, we have a, a large menu of some really About great, 144, yeah, yeah, including American and T Rowe Price and things like that. Yes, and they've been they've been doing extremely well actually this past year. But yeah. so, is, so well, is everything else. A lot of things have you know all <laughs> a rising tide. We talked about that. Right. So, Bill, we, you know, before the break, we talked about uh, online gaming and how important that is, especially during March Madness. Now, Nikki, my bracket you are, killing it. Your bracket's killing it now, Nick. And I know, as a believe it or not, folks. She is very, very sports-minded as a female. She is a she knows her stuff when it comes to sports. I minored in sport business management. But unfortunately, she is uh, eh, not a Yankees from fan. Boston. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> Matt, oh, oh, I'm New not, England. Gonna, not gonna say what I was just about to say, but yes, definitely uh, Boston all the way. All right, so your so your bracket. Because you, well, you didn't pick Ohio State. Because I don't pay attention to college oh, sports blow. at all. So didn't even know that Oral Roberts was a college. And I definitely chose half, <laughs> if not more, of it sounds the like a mouthwash. based off of the team colors. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Jared, your, your bracket, on the other hand, and you follow this very diligently, blown up. Oh, it was day one. Day one just destroyed. With Ohio State. I'm still somehow in third place, and I'm probably that's probably what I'm going to finish in. But uh, when you have Ohio State making the uh, final game, it's just it's not a good look. So uh, as you know, that a lot of states uh, and municipalities are having some trouble here because of this little thing that's out there called Corona, and um, municipalities are looking for ways to bring in more tax revenue. And one of the ways, besides legalizing cannabis, is legalizing online gaming. And uh, the state of New York is about to, and from what I hear from the governor, as long as he's in office, uh, <laughs> the governor of New York, that is, oh they are going to legalize online sports betting. And that, I think, is going to be huge for companies like Penn National Gaming has done really well and DraftKings, among others. And Caesars, I mean, Penn and Caesars just got added to the S&P 500 on Monday. Mm -hmm. They, It's a sign of the times. They booted out Xerox. Wow. Oh, wow. Did not know that. I, who really, as far as copying anymore? Uh, well, okay, but keep in mind. I know they Xer do other things. <laughs> well, Xerox created the mouse. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did, Xerox I did used not to make know a that. whole bunch of things, new and then they would just sell it off because they didn't actually have an application <laughs> for it. Well, uh, one thing, Penn National Gaming, by the way, P-E-N-N. -N, again, none of these are recommendations. Uh, Penn had a nice spike up. The stock rallied hard, and now it's pulled back right to the 50-day moving average. So, you know, maybe that's something that you put on your watch list to take a look at. Again, but this is an extremely volatile stock. It ran up because everyone knew it was going to the S&P 500. What does that mean? That now some S&P 500 funds, this 
They want to own the S&P 500, they have to own Penn. Plus, most retirement funds have at least some type of exposure to the S&P 500. Yeah. Those and, main p- pensions, the the big guys. And we own, we own for clients, it's one of our top 10 holdings actually now because it's mm-hmm. grown so much, is DraftKings, D-K-N-G. And they do things a little bit differently, but you know, a lot of it is the stocks have done really well. And DraftKings was a SPAC. I was going to say, we just disparage SPACs so often, but it is one of the most successful. It's definitely uh, not an underdog story. It is now up over 300% since it began trading last April. And of course, like the only one. No, there's a, there's a few that made it. But a SPAC, of course, a special purpose acquisition company. And blank check company. It, blank check company, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I'm going to start a business. Not sure what it is yet, but just write me a check. Right. And now they're all just collectively trying desperately to find companies to merge with because... Because they want to get paid. Yes. So anyway, the uh, online sports betting is, is really probably going to be a, a, a pretty decent industry going forward. And Caesars, by the way, a ticker symbol I told you, DraftKings Caesars is a CZR. One thing is interesting. I heard an analyst talking about Penn versus a Caesars or a Win or something like that, and they said, you know, with with Penn and and DraftKings too, they are high flyers. They're trading at very high multiples. When you can go out and buy a Win, a Caesar, or, or any of those, and own hotels too. I mean, some of the barstool uh, sports is uh, aren't they partnered with Penn? I they believe are. And that, Penn that has that a big a huge, yeah, huge, or Penn has a, a reverse mm-hmm. that, but yeah, they that was a huge boost for them. Yeah. So I look and I look at things like Las Vegas Sands, who's got a big convention business or had and and they look forward to getting conventions back again. Stock was uh, hammered yesterday. I mean, stock was down big yesterday. And, you know, you're going to have, again, volatility. It's going to happen. And one thing is I look at volatility and, and oftentimes we have to try and use volatility as an opportunity because volatility is when you get opportunities, when things get disconnected. And a perfect example, we saw this now yesterday, the year anniversary, things got disconnected. There's no way you should have been able to buy things like Citigroup at $38, $39 a share. 50 cents on the dollar, 50 cents of, uh, 50% of book value. Crazy. But you also have to look contrarian and say, wait a minute. You know, everybody wanted out. Everybody was scared. Everybody thought the world was coming to an end. The sun's in your eyes, the pebbles in your shoe. And uh, of course... Baseball coming up soon. April 1st. Opening day. I'm a big fan. We're excited about opening day. And Bill, we're excited that you came back to the show, and, and we look forward to doing the show with you weekly, Wednesdays here at noon on uh, 1510 and 105.3. I'm going to do that weekly with two E's, though. Fine. Instead of weekly with an E and an A. I just said. <laughs> Man, the I sort thought of thing I had the like, worst dad that's, yeah, but apparently not. I, I, got, I got a couple of couple of weeks on you in terms of being a dad. I'll yeah. say. So, <laughs> I've got kids that are millennials. <laughs> <laughs> and this millennial has no babies. No, same. You know, I was thinking about that. Lee, you and I are going to have to talk about that. The fact that uh, I have um, one, two, three, six, seven, too many kids uh, and too many ex-wives. Yes, you do. <laughs> you got to stop getting married, though. Yeah, we got to do that sometime. <laughs> uh, but uh, this be the last. I, I was thinking about this. So, I'm not a grandfather. My mom was a grandmother when she was 45 years old, and I'm not a grandfather, and I'm a lot older than that. Hey, I'm not a grandfather either, and I'm shocked. <laughs> not because my daughter. No, com- ah, no comments. Uh, but having said that, that is a topic for another week because we got to wrap up today's show. 
Thank you very much for joining us for the Stock Doctor's Prescription. If you want to send anything to us, ideas, topics, feedback even, feedback at stockdr.com or give us a call at the office, 1-888-855-2855. That's 1-888-855-2855. Thanks for listening. This has been the Stock Doctor's Prescription on KFNN. 1510 AM and 105.3 FM. Find out more about The Stock Doctor at StockDR.com or call 1-888-855-2855.